same silver, different Eric. Different, different taste. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a podcast that's about all things basketball, except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my beloved co-host, the cranberry sauce with riblets in it, to the rest of your leftover Thanksgiving sandwich, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Thank you, Mike. The leftover sandwich is my favorite part of Thanksgiving, so you've honored me such. Well, I mean, turkey isn't actually good unless it's in a sandwich with a bunch of other sides. Like, all the sides are the true MVP of Thanksgiving. Oh, absolutely. So when you have a sandwich that's got stuffing, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes in it, that's actually the best. Turkey needs gravy and slash or cranberry sauce, so you're essential. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, can I tell you a joke? <laughs> yes, please. What does NBA blocks leader Dikembe Mutombo like the most at Thanksgiving? Uh, what does he... Stuffing. Yeah, it's stuffing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dikembe Mutombo is amazing, and I recommend every single person listening to search on YouTube for... It's some version of NBA MTV Cribs, Except it's just Dikembe Mutombo being very happy and laughing about stuff because he has pretty much a normal house. And there's at one point where he has a normal shower and he has to duck and he's like, look at me. I have to duck on the shower head. Uh, uh." And yes, Dikembe Mutombo talks like the cookie monster. (laughs) So before we get into the meat, potatoes and gravy of this podcast, Uh, (laughs) let's get zipped up with our tearaway pants and jackets because it's time for the locker room. Thank you to our newest patrons, Polly Burndage, Elisa Frankel, and Gavin. You are joining the ranks of our Patreon team that is always cheering us on, and the producer-level patrons, Teal, Samuel Miner, and Jordan Castleman. You are all lovely, and you get high fives from Dikembe Matumbo, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And physically, that's hard. He's seven foot two. That's a really hard high five to get. But all three of you can do it, and I'm really proud of you. Hey, Mike, what if people wanted to see us in person talk about basketball and not just listen to us in their ear holes? They should go to Seattle, Washington, a city that desperately needs to have an NBA team back in its location. But we're going to have a live show there the same weekend as PodCon. I'm very excited. Eric, why don't you hit them with those details so they can figure out how to go? This is so excited. It is Horse and everyone else you love from Multitude, from Spirits, from Join the Party, and from Potterless. Wait, Potterless, that's you. We already named that. Um, (laughs) There's going to be an early show on... On Thursday and a late show on Friday, you got two chances to see your friends at Multitude. Just go to bit.ly slash Multitude in Seattle for your tickets now. You can go buy them right now. We are so, so excited to bring you some live show. And it's not affiliated with PodCon. It is adjacent. But we figured we'd hang out in Seattle and give you what you want. Yeah, while you're in town for PodCon seeing all of your favorite podcasters, why don't you see your true favorites at this event? Your half favorites, but your real favorites are going to be off in a different place. (laughs) Hey, Mike, when you're not listening to basketball podcasts, what are you listening to? Potterless, a great show about a 25. (laughs) All right. Well, other than that, I have a new show for you. So you're not just listening to yourself. (laughs) This is called Dream Boy. 
Dream Boy is the new fictional podcast from Night Vale Presents, so you know it's dope. Night Vale Presents is basically the Spurs where no matter what lineup they're trotting out there, you know it's going to be good, and that's how I feel about Dream Boy. I didn't even know that much about it, but I'm already so on board. It's true. Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner are both Greg Popovich, and I trust <laughs> them. I just, they're both two sides of Greg Popovich, and I trust them. As you might expect from a Night Vale classic, this is a combination of spookiness, strangeness, and just straight-up amazingness. Someone is changing all of the streetlights in Pepper Heights, Cleveland. The color of nighttime is shifting. Everyone thinks they know what happened at the Pepper Heights Zoo. But do they? Really? Dream Boy might be J.R. Smith, what he imagines himself, but it's really our friend Dane, a spun-out musician who is spending the winter in Cleveland, and he has two goals, keeping his job at the Pepper Heights Zoo and trying not to waste all of his time on Grinder. But if he gets fired from the Pepper Heights Zoo, I think the Cavs have an open position at head coach. They just, <laughs> yo, Dane, just become the Cavs head coach, it's fine. Tyron Lue did it, you don't have to do anything, you're chill. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk to Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner to rewrite this so that Dane <laughs> becomes the Cleveland Cavaliers head coach. But if you like the way that it is now, you can go listen to Dream Boy right now. You can head to dreamboypodcast.com or search Dream Boy, all one word, in any of your favorite podcast apps. I'm really excited for this show, and we really want you to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the Cavs, not so much. Yes. So if you remember anything, it's Cavs, no, Dream, Dream Boy, Boy, yes. yes. So here's another thing that I love about Cleveland. They have a lot of awesome breweries, and they're always turning out strange new beers that I wish that I could drink and buy. But I live in New York City, so I can't always go out there. I I can almost never go out to Cleveland to go buy beer. So that's why I use Tavor. Have you heard of Tavor? I have not, but I have heard of beer and Ohio. (laughs) Good, 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 good. So Tavor sources beer from all over the world. You just have this app and you click on it and they show you two new beers every day. You check it out and you're like, oh man, I really want this like crazy porter from Cleveland. You click on a button and you basically like save that beer. And then eventually they just ship all of the beer to you. This is great. I was once hosting a party and someone brought a bunch of beer. They basically just cleaned out their fridge and brought scattered beers from all over and one of the beers they had was this hazelnut beer that they brew in California Mm -hmm. and is only available in select cities and they don't know where they got it because it was someone bringing it to their party and I've been searching for this beer forever (laughs) so maybe this app has it so if you put in horse in the promo section of the app you get a $10 credit after your first purchase of $25 or more that is 10 more dollars right to your beer stash I'm gonna do that right now go I'm using our own I, I will take, take you. I will walk you through Tavor because Tavor is actually that amazing. I'm so stoked. That's awesome. Okay, so remember, just put horse into the promo section, and you get ten dollars of credit after your first purchase of twenty five dollars or more. Well, now that we are nice and drunk, let's get into some real basketball with full court press. Oh, nice! Get it? Like the news? I do. Forgot all the beer I drank made me understand it this time. Because beer, specifically from Tavor, makes you smarter. That's true. So- <laughs> Use that oh. as a tagline. <laughs> so this episode is coming out the Monday after Thanksgiving, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we wanted to just talk about some of the things that we are thankful for around the league with our specific teams, whatever. So my first question to you, Eric, specifically with the Boston Celtics, what are you most thankful for? Oh, God, specifically about I know the it's been Celtics. tumultuous, but there's got to be something giving you a little bit of hope. So I think I'm still thankful for Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart doesn't always start for the Celtics. 
He doesn't always put up big numbers, but he is really, truly the heart and the energy of the Celtics. My five big green boys all have like these crisis of faith that's going on. Like they're trying to rebound from something. Like Jason Tatum was this big rookie star. Jalen Brown is like still developing. Al Horford is like trying to cement his legacy as a longtime veteran. Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward are both coming back from injury. So like they're not like necessarily focused on basketball. They're like in their own head. But Marcus Smart is just about like throwing himself at people. I love people like that, like the grit mm -hmm. and the grind. And I think that getting Marcus Smart more opportunities to just go out there and like tear people's faces off. That would make me excited. I like Marcus Smart. I like him too. Is he the honey badger or did I make that up in my head? If you didn't, he is now. He is. <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Smart, you're my honey badger. Hey, Mike, what do you thankful for about the Knicks? Oh, man, it's really hard because I'm thankful for a lot of different things. But I think I'm going to go with Mitchell Robinson just because I am first off thankful that we got him in the second round because he probably should have gone a lot higher. And he was this risky pick, so to speak, in that he didn't play in college last year. He just trained on his own. Mm. But he is a big, tall boy. He is seven feet tall, and he was supposed to be very good at blocking shots. And he's been very good at doing that. And <laughs> he was advertised <laughs> at being good at blocking. And it turns out it was true. Yeah, so he's only playing 18 minutes a game, which is pretty low. He's six in the NBA in blocks per game, which is pretty impressive seeing that everyone else in the top 10 is playing roughly 30 minutes per game. So he's playing just above half as many minutes as these other NBA block leaders. I'm just really thankful for him because he is a really raw player and definitely someone that needs a lot of time and patience before he can be a solid contributing member of the Knicks. Like he doesn't even have the stamina to play more than 20 minutes a game just because he hasn't been playing competitive basketball since high school. And he's just had some really fun games where one game he had nine blocks and another game he had six blocks, which is a comical amount of blocks. It's just nice to have someone that's very good at defense on my team, which is very bad at defense. So I'm very thankful for him. Mm. And shout out to all the players who are trying to make it their way even without college I think like yeah. trying to find alternative routes to get to the NBA that don't involve going through the trash fire that is the NCAA and like mm -hmm. owning your own ability to do something so exceptionally that they will pay you that much money like he was a second round pick but now he's going to be a steal and maybe he can negotiate his contract which is great because the NCAA thing is, at this point has just become so shady with all the under the table deals and it makes me really uncomfortable so I hope that it can be a testament to the G League saying hey this is okay and you don't have to deal with all of the shadiness that surrounds the NCAA. So that's just for our teams. What about the entire league? What are you thankful for, Eric Silver? I'm thankful for something that's like a little bit outside of the league. And if you would just come with me for a second, I'm thankful for TV shows that have tons of NBA references. Oh, yes. Recently, I've been watching Hasan Minhaj's new show, uh, Patriot Act, on Netflix. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's really great. Hasan Minhaj just has the most infectious energy. And he's doing something like what John Oliver is doing, but it's like condensed and specific. Like he only covers one topic Per episode. And he just has perfect hair. Oh, his hair is so good. His hair and eyes together. I'm like, how are you so attractive? That's not fair. And his beard. Uh, very jealous. It's not fair. But what I love the most about this is that he has NBA references all over the place. He referenced Carmelo Anthony when he was talking about Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that joke. I really appreciate it. And I feel like he <laughs> has like three references per episode. And I feel like this is part of what we're doing at Horse and what I'm excited about is like making sure that you understand basketball because it is such like an inextricable part of popular culture right now. 
So not only do I feel like I'm on the inside with Hassan Minaj, which is dope and I love, I also feel like we're doing something good by letting everyone else in to understand these jokes. Entertainment that has NBA references in it. That's what makes me happy. That's great. Mike, what are you thankful for on a larger level? Oh, man. I am thankful for the Golden State Warriors not doing well without <laughs> Stephen Curry. First off, just because I think it's made some fun drama in a season that was pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are going to win. So it makes things more exciting. I do still think ultimately they're going to win and it's no contest. But what it has at least done is made some other teams really intriguing and just some interesting storylines. Did you realize that the Memphis Grizzlies are the number one team in the West? I, I still can't believe it. It's ridiculous. And there are so many teams in the East that are doing better than the West. It's all silly and it's absolutely bonkers. With the Warriors not just destroying the league, it's made things more interesting. Of course, there is the subtle bias that I have here where I really want Kevin Durant to go to the Knicks, which is a far-fetched, long-shot hope of an idea. But maybe it will happen. And if the Warriors don't like each other, it's more plausible. I'm actually thankful for Kevin Durant. I've talked about this before, but I think he's finally embracing his role as a villain in the modern NBA. Like, what yeah. did he just do recently? He yelled at a fan to shut the fuck up and watch the game. So, so someone was heckling him. He turned and told a fan, watch the fucking game and shut the fuck up. It was a bit of drama in Reddit because it went unnoticed. And then it was a post on our NBA that went very popular, 23,000 likes. And that happened the day after. And then the day after that, the NBA fined him for it. So clearly, <laughs> or at least it would look as if this Reddit post is what got it. And when he found out the news, he was being interviewed by Chris Haynes and he live confirmed to Kevin while he was interviewing him, hey, you just got fined 25000 for it. And Kevin Durant went on a big old rant where he said, grown man can't come to a game and heckle grown men. That's corny and that's weak. If you're saying stuff like, you soft, you weak, you a bitch, you're going to go to sleep as a grown man doing that to another person? <laughs> Which is... Very funny coming from Kevin Durant, someone who made fun of his own teammates and called them names on Twitter using alias Twitter accounts. I love evil Kevin Durant. I love it. <laughs> but I do appreciate that he didn't care and didn't back down from what he said and didn't try to issue some half-assed apology. He mm -hmm. just said, look. I think this is stupid. I don't care if you're going to find me $25,000. $25,000 is nothing to Kevin Durant. No. Absolutely nothing. Well, we have a lot to be thankful for. And as we wrap up this segment, before we can move on to the next, we'll quote the great Kyrie Irving, who, when someone turned to him and said, Happy Thanksgiving, he left the locker room saying that he doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving and told that person, quote, fuck Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie Irving's terrible, terrible personal beliefs might be the hardest part about being a Celtics fan right now. Like, we are, our record is worse than the Lakers, and it's still Kyrie Irving kind of sort of being a flat earther is the hardest part about being a Celtics fan. Uh, so that is the end. Of oh, full court wait, press. what's that? Oh, what's up? Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Oh, oh that's oh, right. Sue it's Birdwatch. It's Sue Birdwatch. Is it because she was on a podcast? She was on my New York Yankees podcast? Yeah. Well, no, that's not the most important thing that happened to Sue Bird this week. What did? Did she get married to Megan Rapinoe? No, she did not get married to Megan Rapinoe. Okay, Rapinoe. soon. Remember, we'll be at the, uh, the Denver Nuggets have hired three-time oh, right. NBA champion Sue Bird as a basketball player associate. Mm -hmm. She discussed this in very vague terms on the podcast that I was listening to her on because she couldn't give all of the details. But she has been on R2C2, which is a podcast between Ryan Rocco and 
CC Sabathia, a pitcher on the Yankees and a broadcaster for the Yankees. So if you want to hear this person we were always raving about on another podcast, go check out her episode there. But this just gives me very excited hope because she's been on that podcast twice. So she will do podcasts. So we're going to get her on horse. Very important. We're going to get Sue Bird on horse. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm just happy that Sue Bird has another job. I mean, I guess yes. she's coming up to being retired in the WNBA. I still don't know what a basketball operation associate does. But if she could just stand there and like radiate goodness and make everyone on the Nuggets better, like more power to them. I think it'll basically be the same kind of role as Steve Nash is with the Warriors, except she'll probably be more involved. I think it's just a vague term where she's involved with the Nuggets. And if she can see anything to impart wisdom on anyone, whether it's an established player giving them some advice or mentoring some of the rookies or doing whatever, I think it's just kind of a jack of all trades role, which makes sense. I mean, Sue Bird has been a W. MBA veteran for 15 plus years 16 seasons 16 seasons yeah so she has a ton of wisdom and I think one thing that makes me really happy about the NBA and not necessarily the perception of the WNBA is that NBA players love the WNBA and their players they respect them so you're not going to have this weird awful situation where these dudes are going to think oh I can't believe they're having a woman teach us stuff if Sue Bird comes in all of those dudes will say holy shit it's Sue Bird yeah they're not going to say who's this girl trying to teach us about basketball so that makes me very happy that i think she's going to be very successful in this role and it makes me excited that she's being involved with an nba front office because i would love for her to ride out the sunset of her WNBA career hopefully for at least three more years and then afterwards maybe she's a coach maybe she's a general manager maybe she's in some sort of important front office position within nba franchise i think that'd be incredible not only for the nba and diversity there but also to give some recognition and some much needed marketing for the WNBA. So shout out to Sue Bird. If anyone has any connections with Sue Bird, hook us up, but we will be campaigning forever to get Sue Bird on this podcast and all three segments will be bird watching. <laughs> As Birdman and Sue Bird once said, cuckoo! <laughs> one, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. Over the last few weeks, I've felt particularly powerless in the face of what's been going on in the United States. I felt like 2018 was chewing me up and spitting me out, especially after the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. I am a Jew, and I was struggling for some way to talk about how crushed and confused and scared I've been feeling. And then I remembered I had a podcast where I could relate this to basketball. I wanted to talk about the three best Jews in NBA basketball history and the three worst bigots that's related to basketball. <laughs> I'm glad you said, well, I don't want to say I'm glad you said bigots, but I thought you were going to say terrorists, which I didn't want there to be any NBA terrorists. I don't want there to be NBA bigots either. So let's talk about them quickly and get them yeah. out of the way so we can talk about good people. Yeah, you, everyone knows that uh, John Wayne Gacy was super into basketball. <laughs> I'm going to start with the bigots and run through them because it's important to name people when they do terrible things. For number three, I was doing research. I came across this article by uh, Richard Lapchick in ESPN. It's called Racist Acts in Sports Around the Rise in 2017. Dang. So I'm just going to say uh, the third worst bigot related to basketball were just people who surrounded sports in 2017. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I believe that racism and sexism and uh, violence against women and the LGBTQ community are going away or on the rise 
rise. I think it's just as bad. Like you don't have to hide the fact that you're have discrimination about a specific type of person. You can just kind of do it. I don't know if you remember, but last May, Baltimore Orioles center fielder Adam Jones said that he was berated by racist slurs in Fenway Park in Boston. And you know, this might surprise you, but people are, have been racist in Boston. What? You're telling me that Boston has a bunch of racist people in it? So no strange. Way. Oh my goodness. I've never heard this before. Yeah. So Adam Jones spoke out about it a lot last year, but it was really heartening and something that's going to come up in all three of these terrible people examples. Basketball players and all athletes congregated around Adam Jones, most notably Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors. He spoke out and said that he had dealt with uh, racist experiences in the past. LeBron James came out and talked about it as well. He said, racism exists. For me as a father, I try to give my kids the blueprint on what life is going to be. But at the end of the day, I can only tell them so much and they have to live it themselves. For me, I just try to be respectful for one, respectful for others, and I feel like you do that consistently, and I believe that karma will come back to you. What I love about the NBA in 2018 is that people feel like they can speak out and be socially conscious and actually say something. And the NBA hasn't always been like this. I mean, remember Michael Jordan was very notably apolitical, trying to reach out to all types of people who will buy his shoes. Mm -hmm. But LeBron, as like the statesman of the NBA, has come out and spoken so much most recently the shut up and dribble comment we talked about a few episodes ago because lebron does it everyone can do it all nba players feel like they have permission to talk about the issues that are happening in 2018 yeah and what's great about the nba and for us as fans of the nba is that the nba is the league that seems to have its stuff the most together of all the sports leagues and the association itself is good about standing up for people who are discriminated against most teams if not every single one has a pride night they stand up for people when discrimination happens like you just said with lebron but also you have people that are well esteemed in the league that aren't players standing up such as steve kerr one of the most respected coaches in the league spurs coach and head of usa olympic basketball greg popovich also did the same thing stands up when he sees injustice the commissioner of the league adam silver kicked out one of the owners of the league because he was proven to be racist and do lots of really mean shady things you must have read ahead of my notes because that <laughs> might come up later oh no. oh no second most bigoted person in related to basketball history that is adolf rupp Mike, oh, you know you're telling me a guy named Adolf was racist? Yeah, it was pretty bad. What? Okay, so Adolf Rupp was an extremely winning NCAA basketball coach in the 1950s and the 1960s. Adolf Rupp was also part of one of the Watershed Civil Rights Acts in all of sports because in the NCAA championship, he put up an all-white starting five against an all-black starting five. And when you are on the wrong side of history, you're probably not a good guy. And he was the bad guy in that Disney channel, I was going to say Disney Channel original movie, that, real no. Disney in theaters movie, Glory Road. That's and right. again, if you're the bad guy of a Disney movie... The University of Kentucky lost to Texas Western, and Texas Western started five black players to win that national title. They were playing the best players that they had, but this was also when schools were still starting to integrate, and the University of Kentucky was not integrated. Surprise, surprise, in the wow. 1960s. Wait, Kentucky in the 1960s was racist? Next thing you're going to tell me is that Boston is racist, <laughs> or that people named Adolph aren't good. These are I, I will tell you, because it already happened in this episode. <laughs> 
It was reported at halftime that Rupp used racial epithets to reference the Texas players. Rupp failed to shake the hands of any of Texas Western players after the game and didn't give the winners any credit for their victory. You know when this also happened? Remember the Titans, another the- Disney sports movie. <laughs> exactly. If you are the bad guy and remember the Titans, you're also doing a bad job. And you're also racist. Yeah. Give me that top trash person. And our number one most bigoted person in relationship to basketball is Donald, Donald Sterling. Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Donald Sterling. If you remember, Donald Sterling was the former owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, and it all went so bad for him. On April 25th, TMZ released audio of a man who they believe to be Donald Sterling saying, Really terrible offensive comments about his personal assistant, V. Stiviano. Can't believe I'm saying this, but thank you, TMZ. Shout out, TMZ. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) They did something good. (laughs) This is really funny. No one was actually certain that this recording was legitimate, but few doubted it because of Sterling's lengthy history of racial discrimination. The public then starts responding to TMZ and everyone wants Sterling out. Like, this is not going to stand. And people spoke out. Like, Magic Johnson said stuff. LeBron said stuff. And current people on the team. Like, imagine, this is your boss. Like, current Clippers, like Clarice Paul and DeAndre Jordan spoke out and said, this is terrible. Uh, Adam Silver was on the case, calling the recording truly offensive and disturbing. And they were going to figure out what the hell they were going to do with Sterling. And this was all coming down towards the playoffs. Like, the playoffs are underway while all of this was going on. Yeah. And before, ultimately, what you'll get to with the decision that they made, there was a legitimate chance that the Clippers were going to just boycott a playoff game. Like, they were just not going to show up or they were going to, like, dress in all black or just go out on the center court and say what was happening there was potentially going to be some form of protest for a playoff basketball game which is huge huge so so enormous but you can tell the story of what happened next so they did actually end up doing a demonstration before game four uh, the Clippers staged a protest by taking their warm-up jackets and throwing it at midcourt, covering up the Clippers logo that was there, just showing that they knew what was going on and they weren't going to stand for it. Only a few days later, on April 29th, Commissioner Adam Silver made the defining move of his extremely brief tenure as commissioner around the league. So, that night, on April 29th, Sterling got banned by the commissioner, receiving an indefinite suspension from any action with the NBA, and got a fine of million, the maximum fine that you can give anyone related in the NBA. I know that that's like probably pennies to the bajillionaire that is Donald Sterling, but like, Mm. max it out, man. It was monumental. It was huge. And it thankfully led to Donald Sterling finally being removed from the ownership of that team and then bringing in Steve Ballmer, who's an all around good guy and is very goofy and very silly and is much more loved and appreciated donald sterling was awful and it was just one of those things where everyone knew he was bad but there was no concrete evidence of him doing anything awful so you couldn't just get this guy removed from the league but he had been awful for a really long time whether it was these racist things or just him being a terrible person he would run the Clippers so poorly never gave anyone big contracts always made a big deal about weird things with contracts Elton Brand has talked about in podcasts about when he got the first ever max deal from the Los Angeles Clippers franchise Donald Sterling gave him a bunch of crap about it if he ever didn't play well and JJ Redick at one point who was signed by the Clippers Donald Sterling originally wanted to not give him as much money as they had agreed to explicitly because he was white 
And Donald Serling used to do these weird, creepy things where he would bring girls like V. Stiviano and all of these, I don't know, mistresses or whatever you want to call them, these ladies he was wooing. He would just bring them into the locker room after games purposefully to look at the players showering as if they were freaking zoo animals. Yeah. Like he treated his NBA players like he literally owned them, which is not what an NBA owner means. And he treated them like hunks of meat. So I'm glad he's out of the league. Tell me about the good people. I will. Okay, I'm going to tell you about all the dope Jews. Now, Mike, I, w I was waiting for you to say this. Who is your favorite Jewish player to ever uh, come along in the NBA? See, I don't see race. No, I just don't know. You're going to say one and be like, oh, that guy was Jewish. I honestly just don't know of any off the top of my head. Are you sure there's not one maybe who played for your beloved New York Knicks in the most recent days? That you might not expect have been Jewish. Oh, Amari Stoudemire. I'm talking about Amari Stoudemire. Oh, nice, because of the whole Israel thing. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going with number three is Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire did not start out as Jewish, but recently he's been on the spiritual journey where he's researched Judaism. He's culturally Jewish. He had an immersion of a Hebraic wedding. I don't know what that means, but he wore like a kippah, which is what the skull cap that Jewish men wear at religious ceremonies. And he had a talis, which the prayer shawl. Uh, and he had that at that wedding, which is really sweet. He also observes Jewish holidays and he has ongoing plans and relationships in Israel. Although, you know, being Jewish does not mean you have to support Israel in any way. He's went to Israel a lot to like find his roots. And recently came out that he is, in fact, in the middle of Jewish conversion, which is lovely. Do you have Amari Stoudemire's Israeli stats handy? Because I do. So he played for the team, and apologies in advance if I butcher this pronunciation, Hapwell Bank Yahav Jerusalem Club. Yeah, he owns part of that club. Whoa, that's yeah. super fun. He had pretty decent stats. He averaged 12.8 points per game, 1.2 blocks per game, 6.5 rebounds per game, but the most astonishing, he shot 55% from three, which is phenomenal. His team went on to win the Israeli Basketball Premier League Championship, which is pretty sweet. And he obviously led the league in blocks and free throws, which was not surprising at all. But good for Amari. He got to a point in his NBA career where he wasn't going to play meaningful minutes for any team. So rather than just go to some random European country where he was going to get a big paycheck, he went to one that was actually important to him. Also, we will post these on the website at horsehoops.com, but there are some very cute pictures of when Amare's Israeli team won the championship, and he just looks so genuinely happy. He just looks like the happiest man. My second favorite Jews related to the NBA are the Philadelphia Spas. Mike, have you heard of these people before? Are they the cast of that Disney Channel original movie? <laughs> Which one? The the Jewish basketball one. Oh, Full Court Miracle. No, there that is. is not what it is. <laughs> then I am not familiar no. with the Philadelphia Spas. All right, this Philadelphia Spas were a basketball team played in Philadelphia before the NBA was founded, before a sports league really comes together. It's just like a weird collection of uh, professionals and semi-professionals and amateurs who are trying to play against each other. Eddie Gottlieb, Chicky Passan, and he Huey Black organized the team after being in South Philadelphia High School just to, like, play basketball. The Spas were also really, really good. When the leagues they competed in folded, the Spas played a series of exhibition games against leading pro teams in New York and the new American Basketball League. Uh, the Spas won five out of six games, only losing to the ABL's top team, and then they played more exhibition games against the original Celtics, which is the name of the team, which is very funny. Wait, they were called the original they Celtics? They were called the 
original Celtics. Wait, so they what? How do you? They what? were the first Celtics, the but original Celtics. That's awful. The minor league spas won nine out of eleven matches against the most celebrated teams in professional basketball. These Jews could ball. Is a spa a Jewish? sort of thing because i'm imagining their logo is a man wrapped in a towel no okay they were called the spas because it was the south philadelphia hebrew association that bought the players their uniforms wouldn't that be the spas yeah but it's pronounced spas but it should be the spas yeah but spas is very hard to pronounce but it sounds cool spas Spas. okay okay i'm gonna start saying spas now spas (laughs) some ridiculous things about the spas they played in a ballroom of a hotel they played basketball in a hotel ballroom that sounds impossible they did it i'm imagining carpeted floors and a convention for something not very well known taking place around them. Well, you know what want to know what the convention was? It was for what year is this in? 1933, let's say. It was a convention saying, look at this new invention we got called the microwave. <laughs> no, it was a time for uh Jewish young people to meet each other and go to a dance. So at the time, the Jewish community in Philadelphia loved the spas because after every game, one of the players, Gil Finch, would play music provided by the Gil Finch Orchestra and have a dance. Maybe find a husband or a wife. Why didn't he call it the original Gil Finch Orchestra? It was the first one. (laughs) We're going to rename this podcast to the original original horse. horse. I'm the original Mike Schubert, joined by my trusted co-host, the original Eric Silver, not to be confused with the new Eric Silver. <laughs> Same silver, different Eric. Different, different taste. There is no better Jewish basketball player who has done so much for the NBA than Dolph J.R. Sh- Smith. Yeah, J.R. Smith, <laughs> member of the tribe, than Dolph Shays. Dolph Shays. The name sounds familiar, but I'm not ringing any bells of what this guy did, so I'm excited to learn. The NBA acknowledges Dolph Shays as one of the foundational stars of the league. He could shoot like nobody's business right when they were putting in uh, the three-point line. He would used to shoot from 30 feet out in a two-handed set shot. Interesting. Which is extremely good. He was the first NBA player to score 15,000 points. He was a 12-time All-Star. Never missed a game between February 1952 and December 1961. Dang. And he led the Syracuse Nationals to the championship in 1955. Wow. He was a baller. He was from the Bronx. He was uh, the child of Romanian Jewish immigrants. And he went to NYU. Oh, you did it. I'm proud of you. He also went to NYU at 16, which was dope in 1955. Dang. And he helped NYU reach the NCAA final at the time. This was around the time where the NBA was still kind of just like, as I've said in earlier episodes, just like beady white dudes running around the court. Bob Cousy, look at him dribble with both hands. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's what it was. But I just could not resist an opportunity to talk about people who were like me. That's a very good three on three. It feels like a cathartic three on three for you. You were... I feel like in a darker place before talking about these fun things, and now you seem to be a happier man, which is good. I hope so. (laughs) Fuck Donald Sterling. The only issue, and I want to clarify this, see, Adolph Rupp went by Adolph, but Dolph Shays, his name was Adolph at the time. But he made the smart choice to go by Dolph. Just go by Dolph. Because Dolph is kind of a dope name because it sounds like Dolphin. And then it makes me always think of Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) Yeah, Dolph Lundgren got his name from Dolph Shays. I mean, Dolph Lundgren is great, and I th- I love Rocky IV. Someone once tried to say that I looked like Dolph Lundgren as an insult, and I was like, uh, did you watch Rocky IV? <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's beautiful. <laughs> he was also a very bad 
Batman. In the movie, not Dolph Lundgren. Yvonne Drago was a very bad man. <laughs> yeah, Dolph point. Lundgren is a saint. Yeah. Let's get Dolph Lundgren on the pod. I, <laughs> I don't know enough about Dolph Lundgren to say whether or not he's a good person or not, but I can only say. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only hope. But well, we hope, Dolph Lundgren, if you're problematic, this is going to be really disappointing. For I wonder if he's going to be in Creed 2, Electric Boogaloo. He probably will be. That'll be fun. I know. Because oh. it's his kid. Yeah. Ooh, I hope he makes a return. And Michael B. Jordan was there. Yeah. Which is just good in The general. better version of Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. The B stands for better. <laughs> Michael B. Better than Michael Jordan. Oh, God. I can't believe that Michael is such an ubiquitous name that there we have two Michael Jordans, two famous Michael Jordans. I, as a Michael Schubert, when I started at my first... Is that how you pronounce your last name? It's how I pronounce it. Oh, I've, I pronounce I've it mis- I've heard I'm incorrect. I pronounce it Schubert. <laughs> when, when I started at my first job out of college as Michael Schubert, I learned that there were two other people named Michael Schubert at my company. Are you serious? Yeah, because it's an international company. <laughs> and well, two guys. Sure, sure, sure. But it's an international company, and there's a lot of people from Germany. And apparently in Germany, Schubert is like Smith. Like, it's a very common last name. And then Michael is Michael. It's one of the most common names. It's the most common name in America. It's almost the top in the world. I think it's second only to Muhammad. But Michael Schubert, very common. So for me, when they gave me my email signature, they had to put like all these things after it just because there was already a Michael Schubert in the US. So then they had to put the three letter acronym for the division I was in. So I had to like write to HR, hi, can you just make my official name at the company Mike to <laughs> remove all the confusion? So from then on, I've been Mike Schubert. But a bunch of emails still got sent to Michael Schubert. One of which was when I got a promotion and just for a week, I just didn't know (laughs) because they sent it to the wrong guy. And then someone had to tell me like, congrats. And I was like, what? (laughs) What are you? uh, you Michael Schubert got the promotion. That's not Not Mike Schubert. I'm I'm different. So I have two suggestions. One, Muhammad Schubert. Two, Dolph Schubert. Ooh, much better. Also good. I like it. Or Michael Schubert spelled S-H-O-E hyphen B-E-A-R. I would like that. You know, there are also a lot of Eric Silvers. Did you know that? Um, Yeah, I'm not super surprised. There is an Eric Silver who also lives in Brooklyn and makes content. Wait, that's interesting. It is annoying, but there's also an Eric Silver who is an expert in Antiques Roadshow. What is he an expert in? Just general? Just like antiques. He's not a specialized antique. Like, he's not the lamp guy. No. If you're on Antiques Roadshow as an expert, you're getting paid to talk about old stuff. Pretty good job. That's what I'm doing on this podcast. This Dolph Shays <laughs> has been perfectly preserved. You know, I picked up this Dolph Shays at, at a farmer's market. I'll give you $2 for it. <laughs> is there, are we selling an Antiques Roadshow Do now? they not? Is it not the same as Pawn Stars, just nicer? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't have a fun segue into this because nothing of what you said related into what I'm going to talk about. But odd, odd that that happened. I always try to find a dumb segue, but couldn't do it. So, hey, Eric. Yeah. Did you know that there was a seven player trade that was vetoed by the least important person involved with the trade? And then the only way that they could facilitate it and make it happen is that they traded a retired player. Oh, no, I don't know this. Mm -hmm. Hit me. So come on back with me to 2008. When Fergie was in the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> All right, let me put myself in this situation. I'm in high school. I'm 17. 
I have an unrequited crush on a girl for three years, and theater's very good. All right, I'm there. I feel terrible. I hate it. Okay, so we're so far back in the past that... Two, ten years ago. So far back in the past that the New Jersey Nets still exist. Oh, there it is. Pre-Jay-Z going all, your boy, on him and bringing him to Brooklyn. Hove. I don't like Jay-Z it's at all. It's still funny to shout Hove in Hove. our podcast. Ha-ha! The- was that Jay-Z? <laughs> or just a happy person? <laughs> I love basketball. So the New Jersey Nets were so convinced that they were going to be able to trade Jason Kidd that they told him to sit out of a game, but the trade didn't go through. And that's because of a man named Devin George. He spells his name D-E-V-E-A-N, but it's pronounced Devin according Devi- to basketball Divine reference. George. Yeah, it's not Devian, it's just Devin, but I'm going to put a fun flair on my spelling. I'm going to devein the shrimp, George. <laughs> so he was a player on the Dallas Mavericks, and the whole trade that was going around was that the Mavericks are trying to get Jason Kidd, who used to play for the Mavericks, back on the team. They wanted some veteran presence on their team. They wanted someone with more experience. And Jason Kidd just came off of a couple really great years in New Jersey. He had been unhappy with the team. The team wanted to move on from him. Everything made so much sense for this trade to go down. They had to do a bunch of different things to get people involved to make the contracts line up. And one of those people was Devin George. He was a big chip in the trade because it was the last year of his deal. So it would be appealing to the Nets to take on this contract because at the end of that year, they don't have to pay him anymore. It's fine. They just worry about the assets that they're getting back from the Dallas Mavericks in the trade. However, Devin George only having one year left on his deal was what made this happen. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of what exactly went down, there are some really fun quotes throughout this entire story. In the weeks leading up to this trade, Devin George recently announced that he didn't want to be on the team anymore because he had been getting less and less playing time with the Mavericks throughout the season. So this is a guy who very openly was saying, I want to be traded if the Mavericks don't play me more. And then they're about to trade me and goes, actually, I'm going to stop this entire trade because of a rare clause in my NBA contract. (laughs) (laughs) So I want this thing, but actually I don't want this thing. So really what it turned out to be was him saying, I want this thing and his agent going, you don't want this thing when it actually started to happen. They asked him about it and then quote, I don't think the trade is going anywhere. George said, I think it's right there, but it's kind of messed up how all the fingers are pointing at me. So the reason that they're all pointing at him is because of the way early bird rights work in the NBA. So bird rights are a part of the collective bargaining agreement that allows an NBA team to go over the salary cap to pay someone that has been on their team for a number of years. There are two types of bird rights. There are regular bird rights, which if you are on just any team for a span of three years without getting waived, you earn bird rights. And whatever team you end that three-year tenure with gets your bird rights, so they get that ability to go over the salary cap to sign you. And then there's big bird rights where you get traded to Sesame Street. (laughs) Yeah. What's actually really fun is that bird rights, I don't know if you knew this, are actually named after Larry Bird because he was the first person that they ever allowed this to happen for. I think I knew that, but I also just assume that everything is Sue Birds. Yeah. These should be the Sue Bird rights. But it's one of those things where I didn't realize until putting this together, oh yeah, it is named after Larry Bird. I have Sue Bird rights in which I talk about Sue Bird all the time on my podcast. Love Sue Bird rights. 
it's the reason that this exists is to incentivize teams to sign longer contracts with people so that you're not just giving a bunch of one-year deals. It's why the players wanted it because longer contracts are better for your workers. So that's regular bird rights. There's also something called the early bird exception, which I think is very fun because early bird is also a phrase that exists. Early bird is... <laughs> oh, thanks for clarifying. Well, I just like that. I was like, oh, hey, look, it's this thing that makes sense. But also is that phrase that people say sometimes, you know, with the worm. So... <laughs> I guess robot Michael Schubert. You learned a new word today. <laughs> so early bird rights work a little bit differently where if you stay on the same team for two years, you qualify for it. So it gives you them early because you haven't been traded at some point during the beginning of this three-year tenure thing. Okay. If you are on the same team for two years and you have to be on that same team for two years, you qualify for early bird rights, meaning that a team can re-sign you for 175% of his salary the previous season or the NBA average salary. So this usually works out with people like Devin George at the time who aren't making that much money. So it's very important for them to keep it because not only is it a way for them to make a good pay increase, but it's a huge competitive advantage for players of Devin George's caliber. So basically, he has this little exception that makes him very appealing to be on other teams. And if he's part of this trade, he isn't on the same team for two years in a row. So he loses that. Okay. So he has this thing that's very important for him to make some more money for the rest of his NBA career. And that's why he stepped in to veto the trade. It's written into the collective bargaining agreement that if you are in a trade that will force you to violate your early bird rights, you can veto the trade. Do like people talk about the fact that they have bird rights? Like, yeah, I'm a bird. It's not something that players talk about, but it is something that makes contracts and players very appealing in trades just because it allows for flexibility. And that's what I love about the NBA is that the math aspect of all the negotiations that people have to do with the salary cap, I find as a nerd, very interesting. And bird rights are one of those things that just facilitates all these creative workarounds for the rules. So it's actually really important. I believe you. I had a creative writing minor in college, so I do not find all this math correctly. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. I was a big, big engineer boy. Shit, wait, that reminds me. Dolph Shays had an astro engineering degree. Good for him. I love him. <laughs> there you go. What a that guy. was for you. So it wasn't great for Devin George with the Mavs fans because, as I mentioned before, it was very public that he was the reason this trade wasn't going through and the Mavs wanted Jason Kidd back so badly. After this news came out that he was the reason that the trade didn't go through, he went out into <laughs> so he went out into a game and shot 0 for 11 in a win against the Blazers. He got heckled and booed relentlessly by the crowd in Dallas. Thanks, Devane George. You're bad at sports. <laughs> His agent, even at one point, had to call in to ESPN to make it public. Hey, I'm really not trying to block anything. We're not trying to be hard, but these bird rights are very valuable. I'm his agent. I'm doing what's best for Devin. It's not a power play. My job is to protect him. This is Devin George. He is a cardinal and he's a bird <laughs> and he's going to stay a bird. So the Mavericks then had to try to figure out what they were going to do to facilitate this trade happening because in an NBA trade, you have to make sure that the salaries match. So there were a couple options that they could do to make this happen. And one of which was Dallas trading the retired Keith Van Horn in George's place. Keith Van Horn! Keith Van Horn had retired in 2006. So he had not been a part of the league for two years, but he had not filled his official retirement papers with the league, which allowed what? Dallas to Why retain his rights. This is something that happens in the NBA a ton. 
This Why? is just because there's no like actual benefit to officially retiring because right. of weird things. Like what if you retire and then a year later you're in great shape and you're like, you know what? I actually do want to keep playing basketball. Yeah. But don't you want to get like a very cool retirement cake when you're like 36? You can still do that. You don't just don't have to send in the paperwork. Hello, Carvel. Uh, I'm Russell Westbrook, the basketball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you make an ice cream cake? Uh, take Fudgy the whale and write happy retirement Russell Westbrook on it yes that's right i am russell westbrook i sound like him don't i yes thank you (laughs) so mark cuban the owner of the mavs when this loophole was brought up was asked about it and he said quote we won't use van horn in any deal for anyone (laughs) you will soon learn in eight days that he's a big fat liar because he's a shark (laughs) he is a shark let me put him in the tank keith van horn goes in the tank i'm giving you 10 percent, and that's it i don't know why he's (laughs) it's shark cuban his alter ego So the reason that Mark Cuban didn't want to do this is because it was going to cost a lot of more money if they did this. At the time, it was estimated that it was going to take 17 million more dollars if they did the Keith Van Horn workaround. Mark Cuban would like to not lose 17 million dollars because it involved all these stipulations of signing Keith Van Horn and waiving someone and then trading him and then the tax increasing because you're paying more people on the roster. Basically, they were over the luxury tax and they were adding another player to the team you said so much math and me i died <laughs> i'm a ghost now r.i.p well you're gonna miss the great part in the original trade the plan was thus it would be a seven player deal in which dallas would send devin harris who was 24 at the time veteran jerry stackhouse center Desanya Jop, guard morris ager and devin george along with a league maximum cash of three million dollars and two first round picks for jason kidd and Malik Allen. So basically, a lot of stuff. Like, this is a crazy trade. Jason Kidd was 35 at the time. They're giving him all these players and two first-round picks. It's a nuts trade. I always liked this trade for cash because I always would imagine that they had, like, somebody in in each team's office needs to put all the money in cash in, like, a suitcase and, like, throw it to (laughs) another team or just, like, throw it on a court and be like, take it. It's yours. We don't want it anymore. Put it in a briefcase. Put a little jersey on the briefcase. (laughs) There is a tweet. I don't remember. It was the Portland Trailblazers. They traded someone for cash considerations. And when NBA teams normally welcome someone, they put together a GIF or a video saying, welcome so-and-so to the team. When they traded a player for cash considerations, they said, welcome to the team, cash considerations. And it was just a bunch of money in a (laughs) GIF. It was very good. Very funny. Sure, that's my favorite. My favorite players, cash considerations. (laughs) That would be a very fun. (gasps) If the Miami Heat let us do the custom vice jerseys, Getting it's a just cash consider- consideration. No, it's just consideration. <laughs> that would the last name. Oh, that'd be so worth it. And if you could make the numbers dollar signs, can you imagine? I don't think you, you can't. Yeah. But can you imagine? I'm thinking of now getting a consideration jersey, and I'll get one that says cash. Oh, that's very good. And then we can stand <laughs> next to each other. Okay, now we have to do it. We gotta do it. Okay, the title. Is there- I'm letting you know that the title of this episode is My Favorite Player is Cash Considerations. Considerations. So what was also crazy about this trade, I mentioned that Jerry Stackhouse was going to be in the original deal. He didn't actually want to play for the New Jersey Nets, and the New Jersey Nets had no intention to play him. So the original plan in this deal was that he was going to get traded to the Nets. The Nets were going to waive him. Then he was going to wait the mandatory 30-day period to join a team that just traded you and rejoin the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, that's weird. Which is not okay. But Jerry Stackhouse had a great quote about where he said, I feel great. I get 30 days to rest (laughs) and then I'll be right back. I ain't going nowhere. That feels great. I'm going to go home. So the original trade did not go through, but cut to five days later, 
when Mark Stein publishes the official article, kid trade to Mavs will cost Dallas 11 million more dollars than the original deal. Oh, (laughs) thank you, Devin George. And the opening quote of this article is, it's done. Mavericks owner Mark Cuban told ESPN.com, J-Kid is a Mav, but just the exasperation in it's done and the way in which they did it is that they traded the retired Keith Van Horn that Mark Cuban said, quote, we are not including Keith Van Horn in any trade to anybody. So what they ultimately did was the Nets traded Jason Kidd and Malik Allen along with Antoine Wright to Dallas in exchange for Devin Harris, Desanya Jop, Trenton Hassel, Maurice Ager, and Keith Van Horn via sign-and-trade in addition to the first-round picks and the $3 million in cash considerations. My favorite player. He's my favorite player in the whole trade. So what was interesting with the trade is that Keith Van Horn's agent had to constantly be in touch with the NBA to insist that Van Horn was going to try and make a comeback with the Nets. And he had to prove that there were good intentions so that they wouldn't set this awful precedent of players that are retired being traded for the purposes of contract stuff. I'm honestly shocked that this did go through. He was only retired for two years, so it's not completely out of the question, but it seems like they spent the entire five days saying, no, Keith Van Horn really wants to play, I promise. He did used to play for the Nets, so there is a bit of hey, look, he's coming back to his old team, but it's complete bullshit shenanigans on Shark Cuban's part. So what was great about the whole Keith Van Horn thing of why he would want to do this and his agent want to do it to make the salaries match, they had to sign him for $4.3 million. So they just paid him? They paid him $4.3 million to literally do nothing except pretend to want to go back to the NBA. <laughs> he got paid $4.3 million for this. I want $4.3 million to do nothing and not be in the NBA. I'm already doing that. Everyone was saying that Keith Van Horn was going to come back just to get the trade through. Yes. Like everyone was together on that. Yeah. Both teams were like, look, we really got to sell this to the NBA so we don't get in trouble that Keith Van Horn is trying to make a comeback. We really got to do it. You know what's a bit of a problem with that is that five days ago, Mark Cuban said, we're not trading Keith Van Horn for anybody. (laughs) Yeah, but he heard a better deal and that's that's what a shark does. (laughs) That's what he does. Shark Cuban at it again. He lost $11 million, but he made it happen. He had Jason. And kid come onto the team. Just like in Scrub Daddy. Mm-hmm. And then they eventually did go on to win an NBA championship a lot of years later, but Jason Kidd was there. Unrelated. (laughs) But but just to bookend the story, we return to the original star, Devin George, with some fun stats. You want to know what Devin George's stats were in 2007, 2008? Is it just a frowning emoji on Basketball Reference? So it's you take the 100 emoji, and then you flip it so that it's 001, and then you take the two underlines and you move them next to the one so it's an F, so it just goes oof. (laughs) it was a journey that was a journey mike over the course of this season which he played the rest of the year with the dallas mavericks he averaged a blistering 3.7 points per game (laughs) with 2.6 rebounds 0.7 assists Devin George, you made me learn about bird rights for this. Congratulations. (laughs) And what's also great about this whole thing is that Devin George, this was all in the 2007-2008 season. The whole reason he was doing this was to try to keep those early bird rights so that he could play at least two more years in the NBA because on an early bird contract, your contract has to be between two and four years. Guess how many years he played for the rest of his NBA career? 
Two. Two. I nailed nailed it. (laughs) He played one more for the Dallas Mavericks and then ended his career with the Golden State Warriors. Mike, this was like reading a textbook, but I can't believe it actually happened. That actually happened. And you know what else actually happened? You learned about the joys of math and how it can be actually kind of fun. I disagree with you. I think... NBA salary contract math is so fun because basically all it is is people trying to game the system all the time. Sure. All of the time. All the contract stuff with the poison pill deals and restricted free agency is just other teams fucking with other teams. And that's exactly what happened right now with these two teams, except it was two teams fucking with the whole league by pretending that this old man wanted to make a comeback. It's a little complicated, it's a little silly, but I think it's very fun, and I hope we can talk more about it in a fun way on this podcast, because I think it's very fun just to look at how all these grown men are gaming the system, whether it's contract negotiations or pretending that you want to play basketball so that you can make $4.3 million to do nothing. Nothing at all. (laughs) Nothing, just have three first names. Keith Van 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 H- Horn. Okay, there it Horn? is. I was waiting for you to get there. I meet my son Horn. <laughs> yeah. I have Keith Van and Horn, my three triplets. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The theme song is by Bettina Campomanes. Art by Allison Wakeman, and the website is by Kelly Beckman. I am getting paid zero money to not play in the NBA. Zero money. <laughs> zero do- zero monies. How much does the sandwich cost? It costs five money. Five monies. <laughs> but you know what also costs zero money? Following us on the internet. You can follow us on Instagram at Horse Hoops. You can follow us on Facebook at Horse Hoops. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops. Because as we say in every single one of our episodes, it's because Horse, Horse Hoops, Hoops was banned. banned. Dolph Chase. I just say something nice at the end of that to make that better. You know what costs money, but is a good thing that costs money? Supporting us on Patreon. <laughs> if you go to patreon.com slash horse hoops, you can get access to so much fun bonus content, whether it's five on five instead of three on three, overtime where Eric and I just spit game about stuff, or us destroying each other in NBA 2K or NBA Jam. Shout out to our producer level patrons, Teal, Samuel Miner, and Jordan Castle. You know, my favorite player is Cash Considerations, but you know what my second favorite player is? Multitude. Multitude. Multitude is a collective of podcasts. If you want to listen to people talking on a microphone about things that they love so, so much, or you are trying to make a show yourself and you want some help, head on over to Multitude.Productions and check it out. So as we round off every episode, we're going to put our hands in and say something resounding and fun on the count of three. So what I am going to say is the true MVP of this episode. Math is fun. So we're going to put our hands in and on the count of three one two three math Math is is fun fun. it is it's so much fun i guess if jerry stackhouse was in all of my math problems in school i would have thought it was more fun jerry stackhouse can't return to the dallas mavericks for 30 days he also has three apples (laughs) if he eats one every day what how often does he need to go to the store (laughs) what deal is mark cuban gonna buy all of his apples Keith Van Horn is on a train from Colorado to New Jersey to pretend that he wants to play basketball for the Nets. He also has four apples. <laughs> Shark Cuban has to buy $11 million worth of apples. How many apples really is that? <laughs>